with so many podcasts out there, shows can get lost in the shuffle. That's why we implore you to check out Too Many Captains. You can find us at a moviepodcast.com. Five unique takes on Hollywood movies and culture. Find us on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Check our intellectual deep dives into theatrical films. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions. Unique takes on soundtracks. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash too many captains productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, it is 420 Day. Yeah. Snoochie Boochies. Snoochie Boochies. That's right. Welcome to the 420 edition of Collateral Cinema. This is our yearly tradition we get really high and we talk about a stoner movie, right, Ash? Yeah, look yeah, look at you doing all this. You fucking stoner. You know what? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, no, you're not supposed to be here today, are you? Nope. <laughs> nope. No, not at all. And in case you couldn't tell, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. This is like the Ultimate, like, stoner epic, pretty much, right? Oh, man, this is a classic stoner film. And, and you know, with this film for me, and just coming into the View universe, by the way, this is very recent. This is my introduction into Kevin Smith's just just cinematic masterpiece. And, and, and to me, this feels like the Avengers-level crossover movie at the end of each fave in the MC... at the end of each phase in the MCU... See, look, you're already stoned. Look, look at you, <laughs> slurring your words and shit. But yeah, I feel you there, man. I mean, this is really an underrated cinematic universe. I mean, in my opinion, you know? It was really something that, you know, it was tied to comics and sci-fi and everything. And also, it was the first real proper, you know, like stoner universe as well. You know? In a way, yeah. And, and this film series actually kind of really takes the same structure that, you know, like the DCEU or the MCU take, where you've got a series of independent films that culminate in these crossover movies like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and more recently the Jay and Silent Reboot. Yeah, there was a reboot that came out 420 last year, I believe, during the whole, during the whole pandemic lockdown, during the height of all that. And uh, we haven't seen it yet. We're probably going to keep it for next year's 420 episode. But, I mean, this movie right here, it is pretty much just the culmination of every Askew uh, Kevin Smith movie up to that point. We're talking Clerks. We're talking Chasing Amy. We're talking Dogma. We're talking Mallrats. It all just comes <laughs> to a head here. You, you get pretty much a little bit of everything. Well, within like the first 10 minutes of the film, you get a reference to Clerks featuring Dante and Randall. And then in the next scene, you've got Brody from Mallrats. And then in the next scene, you've got Holden from Chasing Amy. Yeah, it's it's almost in succession, right? It's yeah. And, and, and this movie just artfully references each of those. You know, and characters from, and, and it's funny too because a lot of the same actors are used. So it's really interesting to see, you know, this version of Jason Lee from Mallrats and then this version of Ben Affleck from Chasing Amy. 
and then also bring back, you know, a Banky from, you know, Chasing Amy as well. At the end there, right. At the end, yeah. And interestingly enough, if you look at a lot of the deleted scenes in this movie, like, I mean, it, it comes in a DVD with a pretty extensive, you know, special features list and whatnot, a gag reel, deleted scenes. A lot of the deleted scenes has even further references to those movies, like, like you know, where they go to Holden's pad and they try to talk to him about the rights to Bluntman and Chronic? Yeah. There's actually a little extended scene where they actually, you know, kind of reference Chasing Amy a little further. I mean, I don't recall what the exact line is, but it's like... Hey, at least you didn't try to date a lesbian or something like that. I mean, I don't really recall yeah, what it was. I, I remember that. We were just watching that the other night. Yeah. And, I mean, there's also some references to the Clerks television show as well. There was, there was an animated Clerks series that came out in about the late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say. And it, it's great. It's awesome. I have it on DVD. It's, it's a fun watch. But there's a few references to that here especially with between Dante and Randall. Yeah, that whole I mean and the whole movie actually opens referencing clerks and it and it features, you know, the quick stop with Jay and Silent Bob as babies meeting for the first time and and then just transitioning to adults. Nothing has changed with what is quite possibly one of the most classic little musical numbers in any movie ever. Fuck Fuck, motherfuck, fuck, fuck, motherfuck, fuck, 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 fu
But it wouldn't be a Kevin Smith movie. It wouldn't be a View Askew movie. Yeah, exactly. Without their element. And and also there's the fact that Dogma sets up so much of what Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back would become. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially with kind of the actual flow of the movie. I mean, that that's really what uh, Strikes Back is most similar to. In a lot of ways, yeah. And, and in terms of, like, I think production quality... And just the level at which the, the first two films were more grounded. And, of course, now we can take more of a fantasy supernatural approach. Yeah. And, and just kind of get into the whimsical. It, it's like a comic. It's very much like a comic. I mean, I think that Chasing Amy, if you buy the Criterion box set, it has a Chasing Amy uh, comic. That, there, an that actual actually- illustrated book and everything. That actually is the most serious out of all of the films. It, th- that's the one whose tone is just so much different than all the others. It's pretty much just a straight drama. I mean, you kind of forget that it's a VWSQ universe film like until Jay and Silent Bob show up. And even the way that they are using that movie, it's, it's not nearly as whimsical or comedic. It's like they're actually there to kind of ground the story. Yeah, and, and they're there just to play the cameo, and they have their one scene, and then they're done with it. Yeah, and it's quite possibly one of Kevin Smith's best scene on, on screen ever. It really is. It's actually the most amount of lines he ever has in any of the movies. And he, he pretty much just just finally breaks the silence. He insults Jay a little bit, and it he just lays it out straight. Yeah, and, and it becomes the centerpiece of the movie, arguably. Yeah, and I like how they even reference the fact that you know like he makes that whole joke of you know you you, jay is saying about silent bob oh he thinks that just because he's mute most of the time you know whenever he does speak it's going to be something super wise or yeah which is lampshaded in clerks too in the jail scene where it looks like he's about to say something really profound but then he's just like i got nothing i I got nothing (laughs) and jay's just like son of a bitch that's got to be a really fun role for Kevin Smith. Just, just kind of be a part of all of his films, but have almost no dialogue, just mostly expressions and reacting to everything that's around him. And and I like how he starts to gain more personality, even in just his expressions. Yeah, definitely. And that really comes to a head here in Strikes Back. I mean, I would argue that, you know, a lot of the movie is really carried on Silent Bob's reaction to everything. It really is. And and I like how like we even have character moments where we see him like starting to agree with Holden McNeil about like, you know, what he's saying about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then, you know, later on with the monkey as well, I like how he'll switch, you know, to his expressions clearly showing what's going on inside of his head and then as soon as Jay's looking yeah (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i'm too high to explain this properly i know so am i bro so am i yes ladies and gentlemen we are going to be smoking weed during this episode as is customary for our 420 episodes and unfortunately robert couldn't be here and also if you have noticed Chaz rab is not here either unfortunately so this is a more bare bones episode of the 420 version of collateral cinema isn't that kind of in the spirit though I, I i kind of appreciate that actually and and it, and it's interesting too because we're we're usually like functionally high during most episodes i mean that's the norm that's the status quo typically but yeah this episode i mean we could just get stupid high and who the fuck cares yeah i mean we're not even coming at this with an itinerary or a plan or anything off the cuff baby this is all off the cuff straight from the dome this is just us bullshitting. I mean, it, it kind of feels a little bit like director's cut in that respect. It kind of does, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's pretty much the idea of director's cut, is to be a little more raw, uncut. Well, I mean, it, I, I do some cuts. I mean, well, come on now. But <laughs> Yeah, every, every yeah. once in a while, there's something that's just too glaring that, that the editing can't take away. But, you know, like you make a mental note, and you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Edit that out. But... With Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, I mean, the script itself, it doesn't feel like it drags at all, ever. I mean, it's no. really just beat after beat after beat after beat. And and especially, you know, just 
you know, cramming all of these great characters and references from the View Askewniverse. I mean, it's kind of impressive how Kevin Smith pulls it off. It's very impressive how he transitions from one scene to another. In fact, it's another, I'm going to make another comparison to the Avengers films here yeah. because I like the way that the pacing just never slows. It just goes from one set of characters to another, to another. I mean, if you watch like Infinity War Endgame, it has very much that same pace and this predates that by quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> by about 20 years. At, at the very least, which is interesting when it, it came full circle in, uh, what was it, Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. Yeah, with, with Stan Lee's uh, cameo there. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So other than Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I think this is my favorite film of the, of the universe so far, but I haven't seen yeah. the reboot yet. But before that was Mallrats. And I love how in Mallrats, you know, there's that cameo with Stan Lee, which was doing Stan Lee cameos well before the Marvel Universe was doing Stanley cameos. Yeah, it was truly trailblazing, honestly. I mean, what would have been the first one? Raimi's Spider-Man, right? I think so. And that was around the time that this came out. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. This was right before that. Unfortunately, I don't think that Stan Lee is in this movie. I don't think that he was able to be filmed for it. Oh, he was going to be in this? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm just remarking that I don't think that he shows up here. No, he doesn't. But I'm talking about he does show up in Mallrats. Yeah, of course. And it's and a then, very classic cameo. But then in Captain Marvel. And in Captain Marvel, the Stanley cameo in that movie, he's actually reciting his, his lines for Mallrats. That is so awesome because that movie takes place in the 90s. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's in the same time frame. Uh, I believe even the year matches up. And, and Stanley's just sitting on a bus and, you know, Brie Larson comes onto the bus and she's looking for a scroll and, you know, she's looking at all the passengers. So you get a little bit of time zoomed in on him. And there he is with with a, a script in front of him that says mall rats. And he's going, what does he say about true believer? Trust me, true believer. Yeah, that, that classic line that he says to Brody. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Mallrats, that's, a, that's another classic movie that, I mean, it also sets up a lot of what happens here in Jane Silent Bob. But still, I mean, this, do, this does feel a lot more like dogma. I mean, script-wise, I also really like the characters of Justice and, and her group of, you know, Charlie's Angels ripoff. Yes, jewel oh thieves. my God. <laughs> and uh, Allie Larder, who I know from Heroes, she played the character of uh, Nikki Sanders slash Jessica slash Tracy Strauss slash it, it, it's confusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And also you have uh, Eliza Dushku, fresh off of, I, I believe she was an Angel and Buffy. And I think around this time, maybe she did uh, The New Guy, which is a good movie. You haven't seen The New Guy. You need to see that movie. I, yeah, I haven't seen it. That, that's, then, ki that, that's kind of a classic uh, high school movie. And also the very Mrs. Smith. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Mrs. Smith. You know, I, I think she just had Harley Quinn at, not too long before. And yeah, she has a deleted scene where her and Allie Larder just totally go at it and make out. Hell it's, yeah. It's quite amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, and, and that's originally what the characters were supposed to be. They were supposed to be like a roving gang of lesbian jewel thieves. Well, that's funny because they almost have that in Chasing Amy as well. She's part of, like, this friend group that are all just lesbians. Yeah, that's right. So what if it's like, you know, Amy's group of friends, they just decided just go off and start, you know, ripping <laughs> off fucking jewels. And, and, and somewhere along the line, they just pick up Justice. Fuck yeah. We, 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 need more, we need more lesbian organizations. Yeah, def definitely. But speaking of justice, let's talk about that character for a little bit. I mean, it never feels out of place that she's attracted to Jay. No. And a lot of that has to really do with the chemistry between Shannon and Elizabeth and Jason Mewes. Yeah, there is a lot of good chemistry, and, and, I, and I definitely detected that from her. It, it doesn't feel cheesy. It, it just feels kind of within, well, within the movie's own feeling, within the movie's own mood. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. But, I mean, to me, Justice, is, she adds a little bit of, you know, 
light to the proceedings a little bit. She she's she's so innocent in many ways. Like, yeah. Like there's that scene in the van where he's thinking Jay is thinking about whipping his penis out. <laughs> Right, and he's got the, both the shoulder demons, and they're like, we kicked the angel's ass, and then the angel shows up. Yeah, you know? the angel so it has a big old black eye. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to find these little fucks that fucking tried to beat to fucking beat me. I'm going to beat the living shit out of them. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, in the end, Jay starts acting smooth. But, you know, what's amazing is, like, he can act Jay as fuck, but she's still all over him. Yeah, they're honestly a perfect match. He finally found someone to put up with his bullshit besides Bob. Yeah, right? He, he pretty much found his female Bob. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the perfect Bob for him. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he calls Bob, what, his uh, heterosexual... Hetero life mate. His hetero life mate, yeah. Hell yeah. That makes sense. And, and that's very much the dynamic that I, I, I believe Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes have off screen as well. They, you know, they are longtime best friends. And they really look out for each other. I mean, Kevin Smith wouldn't even do Clerks 2 with Jason until he cleaned up. Like, he, he yeah. had to clean up. That had to be a stipulation. No, right. like, he held him accountable like a friend should. Exactly. And I, I believe he even, you know, had housed him at one point. And, you know, that that's real friendship. Exactly. You know, yeah. dedication. And even when someone just it seems to be trapped and, and even when they relapse, just, just being together through all of that. And, and being able to produce films. Yeah, I mean, and, and then, you know, taking into account what Kevin Smith went through recently with his heart attack, which yeah. by all accounts should have killed the man. It's, it's amazing that he survived, and now he is one of our most important vegans next to Joaquin Phoenix. We must protect him at all costs. Oh, okay, okay, there's yes, your platform. That's right. Uh, uh, to all my vegan brethren, we must protect oh, okay, them at all okay. costs. Okay, en enough of the platform. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm, I'm kicking you off the podcast. You, you, I'm you taking know, over. This is, this is... You, you know that him and his daughter, Harley Quinn, have a vegan podcast. I think it's called like The Abattoir or something like that. Vegan well, and, Abattoir or some, some such thing. And uh, Kevin and Jay also did... Uh, a podcast called Jane Simon Bob Get Old. Yeah, which is I I haven't really heard that one. I've heard more of the Smodcast than I have of that one. And, and I mean, yeah, Kevin Smith's kind of a legend in the podcasting game in his own right. I mean, the Smodcasts have been around for quite some time, like pretty much since podcasts became a thing. Yeah, you know, kind kind of kind of been you know ubiquitous, kind of like you know Rogan. But we we don't we won't talk about Rogan. Kevin Smith is, is is so much more wholesome too. Like every time I've ever seen him like come out and say something or a review a movie, like it just comes from the heart. Yeah, he's a very genuine person. You honestly. can really he, or at tell. Least it, yeah, you can tell that that's what he's like. And when you watch some of these movies from the '90s and early 2000s, you're you're reminded of how edgy humor used to be. Oh and yeah, that, that that is something that we definitely need to comment on. Is yeah, there is a lot of humor in these movies that will definitely be, you know, seen as homophobic or even straight misogynist. It kind of is, but at the time, it, it fits the tone of how people acted at the time. And I, I, I feel like even Kevin Smith, he portrays it in in a, in a ironic light. Very ironic, yeah. I mean, especially with the character of Jay. I mean, he's just so cartoonish about it that, honestly, it just kind of loops around and just. I mean, the pa the parody becomes obvious. Yeah, there's a satirical element to it. And, and, and so you can tell. And I think it just, th those were the times. I mean, I remember being in school, you know, around the time that this film came out. This 2001, yeah, that was pretty young. And I remember even in the years afterwards growing up, you know, just how stigmatized that was. And that's just how guys acted. It was like, you know, guys put on this facade like they... Like, they didn't want to be gay. It was, you were not gay, you know? Well, I mean, thankfully, the culture is kind of turning around on that. But Exactly. But apparently, Glad did get on Kevin Smith's case because there were quite a few moments where the characters were using the term gay in a derogatory sense. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely not cool, especially nowadays. Right. I mean, and that's one of those things that you definitely see a lot in... You know, you see it a lot in a lot of, like, early Adult Swim stuff. You know, you see it in, 
a lot of the Comedy Central stuff from that time. Like I said, it was part of the time. And now we grow up and we look back and we, we think back. We, we've grown past that. We yeah. can understand and, better. And, and in no way are we really excusing any of that stuff. No. That's just the way that it was at the time. And, and again, I feel like this is done in more of a commentary on I mean, that sort of attitude. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we're talking about the 90s. This was a time when someone like John fucking Chris Lucy could become a thing. That fucking monster. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thanks for Ren and Stimpy, dude, but yeah, you're a fucking predator. Oh, really? Damn. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I own one of the fucking bots. Sets. <laughs> but I, I, I love how the Kevin Smith films really embrace the idea of bromance. I mean, that's something that's present in, well, every film, actually, right? It actually is. Yeah, the, the idea of the hetero life mate. It pretty much kind of establishes that trope a little bit. It does, you know, and, and no matter which film you're on, it, it seems like, you know, the protagonist pair are bros and, and they have this. It, it is the idea of a bromance. It's the idea of genuine love and affection for your your brother, you know, like in Clerks, you have Dante and Randall Yeah. in Mallrats. You have Brody and who was the other guy? Uh, Brody and uh Jason Lee's character, right? No, Jason Lee's character is Brody. Is Brody, yeah. Uh, TJ, JT? TJ, JT, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then in, I guess maybe in Chasing Amy, you have Holden and Banky. Holden and Banky, and yeah. that's even actually commented on, because all of the bromances have kind of these, these homosexual undertones, it's pretty much like kind of taken to its logical step in Chasing and, and, Amy. And exactly what, where I was going with yeah. that is in Chasing Amy, that's actually brought to a head and, and brought about. And Holden McNeil, by the way, is an asshole. <laughs> Total asshole. Like like put, putting Banky through all of that. It's like, come on now, dude. I, I like to putting, think putting this... Amy through that as well. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't Amy. The Amy was Bob's girl. Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing that's a reference in one of those deleted scenes as well. Yeah. I like to think that Holden, by the time of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, ha has really figured his shit out and is in a happier place and is more respectful. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, he, he even kind of takes the whole thing with Bluntman and Chronic becoming a movie in stride. He's like, yeah, yeah, I gave up my piece of that, but, you know, it is what it is. Right, you know, and, and, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the scene where things get meta and he's like and you know why the fuck would anybody want to watch a jay and silent bob movie and that, that's the first of at least three times that they do that and then they stare right at the screen <laughs> yeah and they're like yeah you motherfuckers <laughs> goddamn stoners <laughs> i love it i love it there's three different meta scenes there the only thing that i miss that I think should have been in this movie was Michael Rooker's character from Mallrats. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Michael Rooker was in Mallrats, and he is fucking amazing. Like, I mean, he, he, he really just shines in that movie. And you, you can kind of see why James Gunn, you know, also stuck with him throughout the years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I kind of wish that that character was here. I mean, but other than that, I mean, I think that... I mean, it, it pretty much kind of goes over most all of the characters that were in the original, you know, it does. movies, in the original trilogy, at least. Yeah, it does. And and in fact, even recast some characters, there are many actors in this movie that fulfill double roles as they did in the previous films. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, uh, Jason Lee, for instance, shows up twice. I think Ben Affleck only shows up the one time, but I think Ben Affleck references Ben Affleck, so... Yeah, it, it would have been funny to have his character from Mallrats there, but then again, he was probably rotting away in prison for what he did. Yeah, Matt Damon wasn't in this. No, I'm not talking about Matt Damon. I'm talking about Ben Affleck from Mallrats, his character I from know, Mallrats. but I'm, I'm, point, I'm moving on to another point. Oh, okay. This is, this is me jumping because God I'm high. God damn it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm high as well, and you're, you're confusing <laughs> me. I don't like this. No, but but Matt Damon wasn't in this, right? No, yeah, uh, yeah, he was. He was. Matt Damon was in this. Was in Silent Strike Back. Yeah. Which where? You know, God damn it! What are you fucking getting at? You're tripping me out, dude. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not cool with this. 
No, I'm trying to remember what scene he was in. No, that was in the Goodwill Hunting 2 scene. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Okay, you're right. You're right. Don't do that to me, man. I'm <laughs> smashing these movies together in my mind. And it's all like, because I watched all of these together. Yeah. But now I forget what I was going to say. God <laughs> damn it, Ash. Look what you've made me do. This is where the podcast derails. Yeah, of course, because, you know, marijuana affects the memory, ladies and gentlemen. Miramax is starting production this Friday on Blunt Man and Chronic. Does it say who's playing us in the movie? I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Jay and Silent Bob are here. Jay and Silent Bob movie? There's a movie being made you two were the basis for. What? And these two guys from Jersey are on a mission. We gotta stop that stupid movie from getting made. Come on, Silent Bob. We're going to Hollywood. If they can manage to get there. How come we ain't getting no rides? Because you're doing it all wrong. Hey, all the hitches do this. It's the first rule in the book. Do you follow the book, too? I live my life by it. You live by the book? Well, you picked us up, didn't you? I got it. All right. What are you doing? Wow! We keep our eye on the prize and let nothing distract us. She's a machine. The kind you wanna ride. Feels like a dream. My friends and I are on a road trip. Your friends, huh? Where are they at? What the? Watch the language, little boy. There's females present. No! Is Hollywood ready for Jay and Silent Bob? Hey! The real Jay and Silent Bob. Ah! Are breaking into show business. I hate how fake Hollywood is. The hard way. We may very well be dealing with the two most dangerous men on the planet. Fire a warning shot into his bulbous. Stand there and react. Don't say anything. Especially you. All right, people. That's pretty funny. This was a good idea, Lunchbox. And these outfits were totally incognito. Hey, they need you on the set. Jay and Silent Bob strike back. I think George Lucas gonna sue somebody. But yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah, let's talk about Will Ferrell. Let's talk about Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell as, what was his name, Captain Willoughby? Martian Will and Holly. Will which and is Holly, a, a yeah. reference to Land of the Lost. Which we recently saw with yeah. Robert the other day. That that's hilarious, right? Like he he eventually ended up being the lead in Land of the Lost, which actually is a pretty underrated movie. Honestly, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It really isn't. It's actually really cool. And so yeah, Will Ferrell's character in this movie is straight up Will Ferrell. I mean, I honestly think this is one of his best roles. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's Will Ferrell at his loosest i think he's yeah i mean he's really kind of just allowed to just be himself here well everyone in this film is loose that's what i love about this is this movie gave no fucks it didn't no it gave absolutely zero fucks at all and will ferrell he plays a federal wildlife marshal and he shows up because of the whole conceit with the jewel thieves they they have Jay and Silent Bob be their patsies thinking that they're like animal liberation activists. Oh, which, I, gave, I bet that gave you awesome. a hard on, Yeah, though. hell yeah. Animal Liberation Front, I guess, or something. <laughs> uh, I probably shouldn't. But yeah. No. But, yeah, they, they go in and they steal an ape and they release a bunch of animals. Which so. is foreshadowed at the end of Mallrats. Yeah, exactly, at the end of Mallrats, except I think, did, did they have a chimpanzee in that one or did they have an orangutan like in this one? Uh, I think it's supposed to be an orangutan. Yeah, it was an orangutan the whole time. Because they also referenced that in the... A television series, and that ends up being a chimpanzee. For and, some and, and there's an orangutan named Suzanne. Yeah, exactly. That they mentioned that in in the you know in in title. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there was also a comic that was made that kind of chronicled how they kind of got together. And I think that was like the inspiration for Strikes Back. Orangutan. <laughs> but Will Ferrell's character is just so goofy. He 
He just shows up. He's all just so sad and pathetic. I mean, he tried to get into the FBI and he failed. <laughs> but he, he's consistently a funny character throughout this whole uh, movie. I mean, especially when they do that fugitive reference at the dam. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he just dump, he just jumps head first and somehow he survives it. <laughs> Fuck me. That, 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 just him falling, like the, the effects that are used there are so funny to me. Oh man, it is. It's just so cheesy, but it's so hilarious at the same time. And you're right, he just shows up later, and I, I think, you know, or he. At Miramax Studios? Yeah. When he shows up and he just blasts a movie with a shotgun? Oh yeah, and there's even there's a commentary on Miramax in this movie. And they're the ones that distributed this film. Yeah, there's actually a scene where Wes Craven and Shannon Doherty are actually making a Scream sequel. And you have the Scream Killer and everything. It has the whole conceit with the phone and everything. And then Shannon Doherty fights him down on the ground. And it turns out it's the goddamn orangutan, Susan. Susan or Suzanne. <laughs> yes. And she she's just like... Fucking Miramax. It's like, and that's what I fucking said. Fucking Miramax. Which, you know, Weinstein. Oh, uh, why did he have to get his filthy hands on this? Like, uh, I just see his name and I'm like, no. Why no. did he why did he get his filthy hands on a lot of well, maybe we shouldn't go there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's rotting in jail. He has COVID, going blind. Yeah, good for you, asshole. Fuck you. Good for you, asshole. Fuck you, bro. But anyway, Will Ferrell's character, I mean, especially at the end, I mean, he displays some competency here or there, but for the most part, he's just a jackass. He's just a jackass. He's and it and I love the scene where they're walking out and they're pretending to be a gay couple and his his whole like conservative, homophobic yeah, background he, just completely shows, and he's like, "Wait, I know I can't." Uh. Yeah, I, I don't want this kind of backlash. I mean, now nowadays the conservatives just wouldn't care. I mean, they would do something like you know, pass a transgender bill and override a governor's veto over hey, it. Hey, 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 we're not gonna get Arkansas. Political. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't. But I'm just going to keep that in anyways. I don't care. Fuck it. Fuck it. This is our podcast. Exactly. Fuck everything. But yeah, I mean, he just goes into full on like damage control mode before any damage has been made. Yeah. And he's just like, and then at the very last second, he's just like, oh, fuck me. That was them, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, you fucking jackass. He's such an idiot, and that Will Ferrell plays that role so well. Yeah, this is pretty much the establishing character for a lot of what he would do with his career. Really, honestly, yeah, when you consider the time frame. I mean, what was this was before Talladega Nights. Well, way before Talladega Nights, yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, and, and Anchorman wasn't even close to being a thing. And, and despite the, you know, the reference well before Land of the Lost... Yeah. But not, you know, the original. So they're actually referencing the original, and he just later ends up getting cast in that role by chance, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Unless he just saw that and he and he remembered this role, and he was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. Let's we're bring this full circle. It. We're going full circle with this. And Chris Rock shows up, of course, again, uh, after having played uh, supporting character roles in Chasing Amy and in Dogma. Yeah, and he shows up as a director who is just owning every white person in that entire room. Owns yes. every one of them. Every I love single it. One Especially poor Jamie Kennedy. Oh man. He just he just runs him through the fucking gutter. <laughs> like, oh Jesus Christ. But I won't lie, it feels a little justified. <laughs> it, it feels a little justified. I mean, yeah, we're not gonna get into that either. But yeah, I mean Chris Rock, he he plays that role perfectly. And Chris Rock plays the uh, militant black person role a little too well. I mean, well, uh, obviously, of course he is. <laughs> of I course, mean, in Chasing Amy, that was only a persona, right? That was his public persona. I think so, yeah. 
But I mean, we also see a, a legendary fucking performance by Mark Hamill as Cockknocker. Yes, Cockknocker. Let's talk Fuck about yeah. this for a second because they they managed to get on set. They they take out James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs, who yeah, the fucking Dawson. <laughs> they had the Dawson in this fucking movie, which is amazing. And like, they reference that. Yeah, yeah. And Robert, Robert, if you're listening, the fucking Dawson, man. Robert, you better be listening to this shit because you're not here to smoke weed with us. Yeah. And also, hand me that fucking bong. God damn it. Motherfucker. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is fucking hilarious, dude. I mean, he just fucking blasts through the fucking wall. He has his big ass fucking hand and his lightsaber is a goddamn dildo. It's like, oh, no. And of course, they have to put on the screen, hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Yes. Which, I mean, of course, as if you couldn't tell just by his voice. I mean, he almost has that Joker quality to his voice there. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they need, we talked about this earlier, they need to do a Bloodman versus Chronic animated film. Yeah, and, and have Mark and Hamill be, Mark yeah, Hamill like be we the said earlier. I agree wholeheartedly because Mark Hamill is amazing here. I mean, he's in full costume. I mean, and he just goes all out with Jay and Silent Bob. I mean, it's a total. I mean, owed to Star Wars. He even gets his hand chopped off, and he's just like, not again. Not again, yes. And he, he even references, as like, you're not going to upstage me, Vanderbeek. <laughs> like, no, it's like, I don't know. I don't think even the Dawson can upstage, you know, goddamn Luke Skywalker. And Carrie Fisher is in this, too. Yeah, she plays a nun, and <laughs> she follows the book of the road. God damn it. They should have had Harrison Ford in this. And oh, man. completed the trio. That would have been perfect, right? Or and, at, le at least Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Even the title references Star Wars. I know. Yeah, it is a total reference to Star Wars, which makes the whole lightsaber thing just kind of succinct in, yeah. in retrospect. Even in the very first one in Clerks. You know, and they're discussing the politics of blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, the, the logistics of it and, and the politics behind it. And yeah, everything. Like yeah. The, this militant left wing. <laughs> that was pretty much the first time that those types of nerd arguments had really been featured in the mainstream. You know, but it was it's what everybody was talking about. Yeah, exactly. I got to admire the balls on Clerks as a debut film. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that they were going to originally kill Dante in the end. Which, I read that as well. Which would have been incredible, but we wouldn't have gotten so many awesome movies from that. Well, I, I think maybe the that alternate ending is on the DVD, right? It, it is, yeah. And you can also find it online. It's on YouTube. Yeah, because they, they were actually get and it was actually shot... And I believe it was the testing audience phase where yeah, then, they determined that, was, that that just wasn't a good move. And so he literally just cuts the movie off where it ends. And thus, the View Askew universe was born. Last minute, basically. Yeah, pretty much last minute. It, it, it started a, uni a cinematic universe. And yeah. it's perfect. It's so the better for it. And yeah. this was going to be the end of it, remember? Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was actually going to be the final View Askew universe film. Which is only, which is referenced at the end with, you know, w with God herself closing the book. Yeah, that was supposed to be the actual end of this whole saga of the universe. But, of course, we had to go back to it a couple of times, of course, with Clerks 2, which we just watched before we uh, started this episode. Yeah, I needed to watch Clerks 2. And that is the perfect ending for Dante and Randall. I think it is, but supposedly Clerks 3 might still happen. So Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they continue. I mean, of course, you have, you know, Dante and Randall owning the Quick Stop. And, and, and also they have, you know, Homeboy, the, the, the Lord of the Rings nerd, uh, yes. working in the video store, <laughs> which is awesome. Transformers. Yeah, exactly, Transformers. And oh, it was God. like, a Transformers movie just got announced, which is funny because that came out in, like, 2004? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But I don't really remember. Maybe 2006? Honestly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. F fuck those Transformers movies. The only good one was the first one. The, only, the second one was okay. The second one was atrocious and had horrible <laughs> fucking black stereotype characters. Okay, fuck. okay and, that's and, problematic. And the metal, the metal balls. Are you fucking kidding me? That was stupid. Oh my god, that movie, that series became mind-numbing after that. <laughs> and then the way that they fucking sexualized Megan Fox, and she was supposed to be so young. 
God damn okay. it, Michael Bay. Okay. God damn it, you made The Rock. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, I love the way that this movie ends. It's kind of perfect. I mean, during the whole fight with between Justice and and the rest of her crew, you know, I mean, Banky and Jay and Son and Bob, they pretty much negotiate a deal. They get half of the money mm-hmm. that 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 Banky makes. And then and so the movie premieres. It's kind of a fucking piece of shit, but even so they make bank and they decide for one they're going to party with Morris Day in the time. And two, they're, they're going to show to, up at kids' houses and beat the fuck out of them. Oh, not just kids' houses. They beat up a priest. They beat up like a, a fucking yeah. like a, a, a business executive. They, they they fucking beat the fuck out of everybody. Everybody yeah. that talks shit about them. And honestly, I would love it if if it hasn't happened already. If Jay's uh, post on the internet that he makes that movies, you know, you are the one who are the ball lickers. You are the ones if, that are the ball lickers. If that's not a copy pasta, like I will just you know turn off the internet forever because that that has copy pasta written all over it. It's got to be a copy pasta. I mean, you know that if somebody actually posted that, that's exactly what it would become. It, it would become copy pasta like immediately. And, and that's another thing to talk about here is how it really kind of approaches the internet for the first time. This is, this yeah. is really one of the first times that we see internet fandom as we kind of know it. And what, what's interesting is that scene where Holden explains the internet to Jay and Silent Bob because it, it kind of feels like Jay and Silent Bob were just literally, you know, just taken out of the 90s and just stuck right into the mid-2000s. You know, and the internet is becoming a thing. We're it, we're maybe a few years away from something like IMDb, something like you know Facebook or YouTube. You know, where movie reviews are proliferated and everything, or Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I, and I like what you said about how it really does feel like they plucked Jay and Silent Bob out of the last film that they were in, and just and they just hopped to the present time, and yeah. they're catching up on all of it while they're introducing it on screen. You know. And it's like here's the internet, and and I and I love that this is getting more into culture that I understand, that I remember. Yeah, and it's really that sort of fandom in its infancy, and it shows that even then it was toxic as fuck. It's always been toxic it as fuck. Always has been. In fact, back then, you know, there still was a visible dark web. Yeah, there was at that time, but also at that time, the clear web was still pretty much an anarchic fucking free-for-all for a little while there. So it really was. It's pretty much what, what eventually condensed into 4chan, when we all know how that went. Okay, yeah, here you we know, go. You know, the, the hacker 4chan? Here's, uh, here's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah, yep. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon reprising their roles in Goodwill Hunting for Goodwill Hunting to, what is it, Gone Hunting? I hunting season or something like that? To be honest, you know why <laughs> I didn't remember this? Because I didn't know, understand this reference. Yeah, it's like you really have to see Goodwill Hunting to get it. Honestly, I don't know if you've seen that movie. It has Robin Williams in it. I have not seen it, so that's why that's why I didn't re- understand the reference, and that's why I forgot Matt Damon was in this film. Yeah, I mean it, it and it, their scene here is I mean, they're just really just kind of ribbing each other for some of the movies that they made. Like, like I think Reindeer Games is brought up at one point. <laughs> and Affleck is just like, you know, you see, that's just mean. And, and that makes me really anxious to see how they reference that in, in Reboot. You know, the, the whole fucking Batfleck thing? I know. I, I That has to be touched on because I know I know part of them. I haven't seen, we haven't seen it yet. But no, I know no. the part of the movie is that they're making a Bluntman versus Chronic movie in-universe, which is obviously an homage to Batman v Superman. Yeah, obviously. And, of course, we have... Let's go ahead and touch on this real quickly. Morris Day and the motherfucking time. The greatest motherfucking band in the world. The time sucked ass and you know it. Hey, fuck you. No, Morris Day and the motherfucking time. No, I'm just referencing Randall. That motherfucking jungle love. No, that was that's oh, actually yo, badass. Yo. I love it. I mean, yeah, that's a fucking badass performance. It's like I would I would love to go and see Morris Day and the Time if they're still around because that you know that's going to be a great show. 
<laughs> just based on that, that shows me that that is just a good time. Get a few drinks in your system, maybe smoke a doobie and have some fucking fun. And it's it's perfect in this movie because it's it's just it so fits into that type of humor that you know the the Askew universe is known for, and and that that type of referential you know narrative and everything. You know that reminds me, Bo. Hand, hand me the blunt. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show you, owe me, yo yo. Or I guess we don't have a blunt. We'll just. Oh my god. Fuck! 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 Mother! Mother! Fuck! Mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, fuck, mother, fuck, noise, noise, noise. One, two, one, two, three, four. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weeds. Doing coke, drinking beers. Drinking beers, beers, beers. Rolling baddies, smoking blunts. Who smokes the blunts? Who smoke the blunts? Rolling blunts and smoking. Ah, uh, let me get a nickel back. Fifteen bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. We'll just we'll just use the bong instead. I, th- I think that maybe now would be a good time to go into final thoughts. So, bitch, don't, no, don't you bitch me. What the <laughs> fuck? Don't you give me sass, man. I, this is four twenty. We don't we don't do sass on four twenty. See, now if Chaz was here, this shit would not be happening. If Chaz was here, this wouldn't happen. You know, the beauty of this being a four twenty episode is we do whatever the fuck we want. Oh my god. Yeah, happy 420 to me, I guess. But yeah, what, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Man? Oh, man, classic stoner movie. It, it This is literally the perfect movie to watch, I. It really is, man. And I mean, as we mentioned earlier, this is the first movie out of the universe that is actually, you know, definitively a stoner movie. Yeah, if you look at the Wikipedia list of articles, this is the first film of the VSQ universe that's actually on that list. And and that's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, what do you what do you think about the impact of this movie on like stoner culture? Uh not even on just stoner culture, but just culture in general cuz even my dad was aware of it and my dad was like my, my dad said he loved Jay and Silent Bob and he was totally not a part of stoner culture. He told me it was a tier above South Park for him, and he loves South Park. Wow, really? Above South Park? Yeah. That's fucking awesome, actually. But in terms of stoner culture, I mean, I I feel like this kind of helped define that because a lot of stoner culture of our generation grew up on this shit. Yeah. I mean, whereas with us older millennials, we were more like half-baked and, you know, like Harold and Kumar to a degree. Okay, yeah, you I know? can take that. Or, or Dude, Where's My Car, which is the most unstoner stoner movie that was ever made. <laughs> but we'll get into that in a future 420 episode, probably. But, yeah, I mean, you think that this is definitely a movie that you would recommend? I mean, needless to say, come on now. This is a fucking amazing movie. Honestly, this is a fucking amazing movie, and this should I, be part I, of your, your I, holiday routine i I don't care what anybody says i mean say what you want about kevin smith's career after this i mean you could argue that this is probably the pinnacle of it but i mean he went on to make some interesting stuff i mean not all of it is all that good some of it is you know kind of stands on its own as its own oddity you know like tusk i want to watch tusk i i've actually been recommended that one yeah, it's it's an interesting movie that involves podcasters. Oh, so, it does. Yeah, yeah. The, the main character is a podcaster. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I want to see Kevin Smith do some more horror. That, that would actually be a lot of fun. I like how much he experiments with genres. I mean, we've even seen that in the Viewisk universe, but especially in the period of time between what would actually be the last film at the time which was this one up until more recently he's just been doing standalone projects here's what you do you give kevin smith a phantasm reboot or something like that give him phantasm i'd like to see what he would do with that series (laughs) i mean it it would be very interesting It, it would be a very unique take on the franchise i think But, yeah, I mean, this is one of those quintessential stoner comedies that kind of links, you know, the Gen Y and the Gen Z generations a little bit. It's kind of that overlap a little because, I mean, 
Yeah, for us millennials, I mean, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, we, we grew up with it in the 90s. You know, I mean, I was originally exposed to them on MTV. And I think the first of their movies I saw was Mallrats. So, I mean, it's something that's been ubiquitous for all of us. And I like to think that, you know, there's something there for Gen Z even, you know. I guess so, yeah. Because even as a younger millennial, I remember some of this. I remember some of this growing up. I remember I'm, I'm aware of the image of Jay and Silent Bob. Like, I have that in the recesses of my mind. Yeah. And, I mean, it's definitely a movie that is just so much fun. I yes. mean, yeah, it can kind of get a little homophobic. It can get a little, you know, misogynist even, but it, it, it fits within the characterization, I think. And, I mean, like I said, you know, coming from somebody like Jay or coming from people like Dante and Randall, it just com comes across as too cartoonish to take seriously. Yeah, and like I said, I, I definitely feel that it's, it's taken from a satirical angle. And I think it's just... It, it's not just a product of the times, it's kind of an observer of the times. Yeah, and it observes it through the lens of uh, the Viewersk universe. Right. You know, it, it's in many ways, it's like a distortion of reality. Yeah. Kind of. That's very much how the way that these films feel. And in, in that sense, I kind of take it as a good companion piece to Freddy Got Fingered. Dude, totally. These th Those movies are so tonally similar. You're right. Yeah, except, of course, you know, Tom Green goes a little more avant-garde with it. Yeah. Whereas this is more of just a straight, goofy stoner comedy. But, yeah, for some reason to me, that makes for a good double feature. And I, and I highly recommend, watch Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back and then watch Freddy, Freddy Got, Got Fingered. Fingered. It's actually <laughs> a very interesting combination. But I recommend this movie... It's like I do recommend checking out most of the work that came out after this, although it varies in quality. Sorry, Kevin. I mean, he probably admit it, honestly. <laughs> he, 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 he knows it. But, yeah, I guess that we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, what plugs do we have to give everybody? All righty. Well, with Collateral Gaming, we are going to be doing our 420 special on Minecraft. Uh, following that, we're also going to be collaborating with Collateral Cinema, and we're going to be talking about the Mortal Kombat movie that's coming out, and also a analysis on Mortal Kombat 11 on the Collateral Gaming side. And also, we're going to do a bonus round where we talk about the first four Mortal Kombats, right? Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, um, stay tuned I for all that. There'll also be a 420-focused bonus round. I'm thinking a bonus round commentary. Yeah, and we're probably going to do some type of stoner commentary, maybe. I think we were going to do, like, Evil Bong. Yeah, as a director's cut commentary, so yeah. stay tuned for that. I can't wait to just watch, uh, just hearing about that, just, just hearing the title, Evil it, Bong. It is quite a thing, man. It is hilarious, honestly. And it is a full moon production, and it's worth every penny. It's amazing. <laughs> And then they she she fights the ginger dead man and yeah. <laughs> okay, I I need to know more about this. But anyway, for Collateral Cinema, our next episode, as we said, the Mortal Kombat episode, we're going to be doing the Toxic Avenger. We're going back to Tromaville, and that is going to be exciting. We're going to have Michael Cornwell on that one, and then after that, we're going to be doing Drive, the Nicholas Winding Refn production, and. Hopefully Robert shows up for his own movie. Yeah, hopefully. Robert. Robert. <laughs> God damn it, Robert. And we're going to be joined by a few guests. I'm going to try to get it lined up. I mean, I, I'll, I'll announce that on the Twitter feed. But with Collateral Cinema, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Look us up on Patreon. We have full-length movie commentaries there, and I think that we'll be doing some other content there eventually, if we get enough patrons. Right now, we just have the commentaries there that starts at $1. You can also give us $5 if you think that it's worth it. It's whatever. 
And also, I think that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm that high, people. I'm very high right now. What the fuck else are we going to say? Go watch Jane Silent Bob. You should be watching it in the background right now while you're listening. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we'll do a full-length commentary on it eventually. But with all of that said, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And happy 420, everybody. Snoochie boochies. Snooch to the nooch. Lateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.